0: Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for each and every person here. God, we pray that you would do what only you can do. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, bring revelation to us. God, I pray as we speak today that it would be your words and not my words. That you would touch our hearts. That we would see you more clearly. That we would love you, love people the way you called us to, God. Pray that we would grow today. Pray that relationships would be built. God, I pray that, that our lives would be changed from the inside out. We love you. We're so thankful that we get to be here with you today. Bless this time together in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Hey, so as we continue part three of Overflow... This message is a message that I love because I think it's probably the most applicable thing for most of us in our Christian walk. Galatians 5, our theme verse. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Each week we've broken down one of those. Do we have that in the King James Version? Do we have that? Okay. The King James Version says this one part where it says faith that prevails. The King James Version has, says it this way. It says long-suffering. Have you ever read that long-suffering? It's all over Scripture, and oftentimes God will say long-suffering. I pray that you'll learn long-suffering. Okay, i read that and I thought, that's interesting. Why would it say that? Why would long, why long? I understand joy, I understand peace, I understand love, I understand patience, I understand kindness. What is this long-suffering thing that God speaks to us about? I believe that it's something that if we can learn, we will greatly understand God and we'll greatly understand our journey more. In reading it, I remember asking God the first time I read this, God, why do I need to know how to suffer long? That's not the goal of my Christian walk. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't get into Christianity going, I'm ready to suffer. Like, this is going to be good. Not just a little suffering for a long time. I'm ready to suffer a long time. I was reading a book today, a commentary on this. Not today, sorry. Saturday. And here's what Finney, on his epistle, his, his commentary on the epistle of Galatians says, under long suffering or perseverance whereby a man doth not only bear adversities, injuries, reproaches, and such like, but also with patience waiteth for the amendment of those who have done him wrong. When the devil, listen to this, when the devil cannot by force overcome those who are tempted, then he seeketh to overcome them by long continuance. For he knoweth that we are an earthen vessel which cannot long endure and hold out. Therefore, with long use, he may overcome many. To vanquish these persistent assaults, we must use long-suffering, which patiently looketh for the end of those temptations when the devil rises up against us. He says the goal of the enemy sometimes is not just to attack you, but to attack you long enough to where you quit. How many of you know the enemy's goal for you is just to quit? If he can get you to quit, then he wins. If he can get you to stop pursuing Jesus, he wins. If he can get you to stop pursuing a relationship with people around you, he wins. And oftentimes what separates those who make it and those who don't is not skill, it's not talent, it's not anything other than I refuse to quit because I know what God has called me to do. How many of you know that's a hard thing to learn, though? Perseverance, long-suffering is a hard thing to learn. I was a cross-country runner. Any cross-country runners? I loved cross country. It was like, I know it sounds crazy. I remember when I was a freshman, sophomore, I was at a different school, and there was one guy in the whole school that ran cross country. And I remember going, why would you want to? What does that mean? They go, well, you run like three miles. I'm like, that sounds miserable. Why would anyone want to run three miles? And moved here to play basketball. And and, um, my coach told me, hey, if you play basketball, you got to run track or play football. The football season's already started. So you have to run cross country. So I said, "Okay, I'll run cross country. Again, I don't even know what it is. We get there day one, and he goes, Hey, okay, you know, listen, we're gonna have this meet. We never had a practice. I just showed up like day one of the meet. We have this meet, you're gonna run, okay, they're, you line up, they're gonna shoot a gun, and you just run until they tell you to stop. I'm like, Okay. So we get on this line, and any of you have been to these cross country meets? It's exciting. Like, I wasn't prepared for this. There's like 400 kids there, all these schools, everybody's wearing clothes way too small, okay? Cross-country uniforms, if you've never seen them, are like, they're like a double like XL Speedo kind of. like It's like these short, short, short shorts. I remember the first time I walked out and my dad came to see me run my first meet and I was so excited. And I walk out and then you wear like these tight, like belly spandex shirts kind of. I don't know, it's kind of weird now that I say it. And I walked out. Now, my body was a little better back then. And I'm, I'm like, hey, how's this look? And my dad looks at me and goes, dear God, son. Are you wearing shorts or riding a chicken? <laughs> so I think both. I don't know. So we go to this cross-country, you're lined up there, and everyone's getting ready, and they shoot this gun, and you take off and you start running. Well, what they didn't tell me is how long three miles was, okay? And for those of you who know me, you know I am bad at math. So I'm not calculating the distance in my mind. I just want to win. And I take off running. I'm in a dead sprint, okay? I look to my left, I look, no one's around me. I'm like, I'm the greatest cross-country runner in Texas. This is unbelievable. I'm just running, I'm flying. I get there, I turn around, people are 100 yards behind me. I'm like, they're gonna make me the governor of Texas after this race. I've, no one's ever been beaten this bad before. Maybe it's my long legs, maybe it's the Mexican in me and my long legs, I just got, I'm just cruising for the first mile. (laughs) And all of a sudden, about the first mile, I realized why everyone else was jogging at the beginning of the race and it the wall hit me and all of a sudden guys start passing me up guys start passing me up guys start, now if there is anything you need to know about your pastor it is i will never give up on anything i am the most persistent re- resilient determined person you will ever meet in your entire life so i'm like i am not walking i'm not, i'm not going these guys that are now passing me up looking at me like he, this guy's figuring out what all of us knew at the fin- at the starting line i'm like no i was doing this on purpose you know like <laughs> You just gotta ride with it. So I, I no, I was doing that on purpose. I just wanted a big head start. And so I'm just pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. I ended up finishing in like the top 15. I'd never run before. The guy I got a medal and I crossed the line, and, and my coach told me, if you get a medal, you're not technically eligible yet. So just tell them you, you can't receive it. But he goes, You're not gonna get a medal. You've never done this, don't worry about it. So I crossed the line, they're trying to give me a medal, and I'm like, I can't take the medal. And they're like, why? I'm like, I'm about to die. First of all, I have a heart attack. I don't know, Talk to my coach, I can't have a medal. I just, But I learned a valuable lesson in that first cross country meet. I learned that it's not just the strength of what you do, it's the length of what you do. The Bible would say it's not strong faith, it's long faith. It's not just can you have strong faith in a moment, it's can I have strong faith for a long amount of time. Eugene Peterson, one of the great authors of our time, passed away recently, and he wrote a book, and the book is called The Long Road of Obedience in the Same Direction. The Long Road of Obedience in the Same Direction. And I want you to know, if you've bought into Christianity, the idea you need to buy into is this is a long road of obedience in the same direction. And the goal that we're running towards is one day standing before Jesus and him saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is the finish line. That is the end goal. That is the cross the line moment. But we have to have long faith, not just strong faith. How do we do it? There is no secret to suffering. There is no secret to suffering other than going through it, persevering, not giving up, not quitting. When I ran cross country, a mile seemed long at first. By the end of the season, three miles seemed like the race flew by. Then I started running like longer distances. And then I ran a half marathon this year. And my wife's going, how do you just keep running? And I became infatuated with the concept of if I just can make my legs keep turning over, I can keep running. Like there's no secret to it. the When I was in the military, people would go, how do you run that long? How do you do some of the things they ask you to do? And what you learn in the military that when I got out of the military, I realized other people didn't learn, was your mind can make you do pretty much anything that you need to do. Your mind can make your body do far more than what you think you are capable of. And the trick is, you just keep telling your body to do. I just keep telling my legs, turn over, turn over, turn over, turn over. When the thoughts come in my mind, you could walk. No, I couldn't. Just keep turning over, just keep turning over, just keep turning over. That is what our Christian walk is like many times. Life gets hard. God, why am I walking through this? Have you ever asked God that? God, why am I walking through this? God, why am I dealing with this? God, I'm loving you. God, I'm seeking you. God, I'm doing everything right. Why am I walking through this? Have you ever asked, anyone ever asked that question to God but me? None of you. God, I'm a super bad person. God, why me? Do you want the answer? Okay, the answer is because the enemy wants you to stop. Stop. The enemy wants you to stop. Oftentimes, resistance in your your spiritual walk is not a sign that God isn't with you. It's a sign that the enemy is against you. Remember, no one guards the guy that's that's filling up the water bottles. No one's guarding the guy that's on the sidelines. No one's scouting the athletic trainer. Okay, They're scouting the people that are in the game. And when you sign up to be in this game, the enemy goes, oh, no, I can't let them make an impact. I can't let them make an impact at work. I can't let them make an impact in their families. I can't let them make an impact in their friends. I can't let them make an impact in this world. I have to stop them from making an impact. And you know what he's realized? He's really good at just opposing us long enough to where we quit. He's really good at making it difficult enough to where we just go, life was easier when I wasn't serving Jesus. I mean, this is crazy. None of this stuff happened when I was just living in the world, when I was just doing my thing. Why is it happening now? Because the enemy hates when God receives glory from your life. The enemy hates it. One of the greatest things about planning a church has been watching people's lives affect other people's lives. It's been so cool seeing friendships formed here and then watching them recruit people and their small group growing and these people hanging out. And and what you begin to see on a micro level that you don't get to see when, when, when you're in a bigger, bigger church is the impact of each individual relationship that a person has. And so I know now when I meet with someone and I go, how did you find out about the church? And they go, well, so-and-so brought me. Well, I know that so-and-so brought them and -and so-and-so brought them and -and so-and-so brought them. And you begin to see the enemy has great reason to try and stop you from persevering. Because he knows that if you continue, you are the catalyst for life change for people. You are the catalyst for God getting glory from your life. But how does he stop it? By seeing if you can suffer long. Colossians 1. Be assured, this is Paul speaking to the church in Colossus. They are like us. They have started a church. Okay, Paul is now writing them letters. Remember, they have no concept of church. They are just finding out about Jesus. They are going, this is amazing. We want to know more. And now Paul is writing them letters going, hey, let me tell you how to continue to run your church. Let me tell you how to get closer to God. Let me tell you. Here's what Paul says. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you. Asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, But the glory strength God gives, it is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. I love that. He's going, listen to me, what it takes to do what you're doing is not the gritting your teeth kind of strength. God, I just got to do better. I got to do better. I got to do better. But the glory strength that God gives, it is strength that endures the unendurable. How do you get through those moments where you go, God, I can't take any more. God, what am I going to do? God, You fall on the strength and the grace of God because it is only by his strength and his grace do we endure the unendurable. You know what the goal sometimes of suffering in our life is? One, there's things inside of us that need to come out. I don't know about you, but a lot of my suffering at times has been not a God thing. It's been a me thing. It's been a me thing. It's been areas of my life that I've suffered from and gone, God, why are you doing this to me? And clearly I've heard God go, why are you doing this to you? <laughs> Don't blame this on me. You're doing this to you. I have this conversation a lot with people and they'll ask me, you know, why do things happen? Like, You, you know, I'll meet somebody in jail and they'll go, man, I, got in a, I went out and I was drinking and was driving home and got in a wreck and why would God do this to me? And I look at them I go, I, I think like you did that to you. Like... <laughs> I think you were drinking and driving and got in a wreck, and that's like a natural consequence of something you did, and now you're paying the consequences for a choice that you made. Sometimes we want to put stuff on God that is our doing to us. Suffering will show you areas you've held on that God has been asking you to lay at his feet. Suffering in those times is when we begin to evaluate, God, how did I get here? And then we go, okay, God, I got here because I held on this when I should have let go through that I held on to this relationship I suffered through it for a long time when God you never asked me to suffer through that relationship that was me that wasn't you God I pursued this dream that wasn't really your dream it was my dream and I suffered for a long time because of it why God I should have laid that at your feet sometimes our suffering is an us thing and sometimes our suffering is so that other people can see the glory of God in us have you ever watched someone walk through sickness, terminal cancer, disease, and watch them and just gone, how in the world can they do that? If they can be this joyful, this hopeful, this loving, this kind in the worst moments of their life, God, I want to be like that. Sometimes God uses our suffering so that he will get the glory and that other people around us will see our Father in heaven and give him glory. Long suffering, the enemy wants us to quit. Here's what James tells us about long suffering. Consider it a sheer gift, friends. Okay, now that's not the way, that's not when I'm in the middle of suffering what I think about. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Now listen to me. Let me help you with this. If there's one thing I'm good at, I can change the perspective in my mind of any situation I'm in. It's a gift God gave me, okay? We can be in the worst situation. We can be in the back of a cop car going to jail, and I'm like, hey, At least it's a new cop car. This cop car could be an old cop car. Could be really cold. It's winter. you know. I I can change. I can find the hope and joy in anything. And here's what it requires. It requires when you walk through suffering, going, God, I don't know what you want to do in me through this, but sign me up. I'm willing to grow. God, I know what you're trying to teach me in this, but God, if, if you're allowing me to go through it, sign me up. I want to grow through it. How many times do we go through things and we never grow through them because we don't allow God to do what he wants to do on the inside of us? Let's not just go through things. Let's grow through things. Because the truth is the test never passes until you pass the test. And there's probably areas of your life, like there's areas of my life that I've gone around many times and I go, God, why do I keep dealing with this? And I hear God go, because you haven't passed the test yet. Because you haven't done it the right way yet. Because you haven't walked that relationship out correctly yet. Because you haven't been kind to your spouse yet. You keep getting in these arguments that are because you're not speaking life to them. You keep getting in these frustrations with your boss because you're not honoring them. You keep, I'm trying to teach you things that are going to persevere, preserve you long after the situation you're in. But we've got to commit to grow through things and not just go through things. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides... You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. How many of you know that to be true? You want to know who a person is, put pressure on them. You would be shocked at the things I saw in basic training. Grown men just sobbing, okay? Fetal position, crying, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, bro, you are a grown man. Like, I just... Don't let your wife, has your wife ever seen you like this? Like, are you married? How? I just, what, you want to see what's in people, let pressure get on people. Let stress start to hit people. Then your true colors come out. Under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. How many of you know that's God's heart for us? That at the end of this thing, we would be mature, well-developed, and not deficient in anything. You say, well, Christian, that just happens as you grow older. Have you ever met someone who grew old and never grew up? I know a lot of those people. I know a lot of 60-year-olds still going out to the bar every Friday night. I'm going to find me one tonight. You are 60 years old. You need to be at home, I don't know, in an orthopedic bathtub or something. Like, what are you doing out here? Just because you grow up or just because you grow old does not mean that you grow up. Many people walk through tests of life, and if we will not allow them to change us, the long-suffering to change us and grow us, we will go through a lot of painful situations and never learn from them. We'll go through a lot of heartache and never get to the end that God desired for us to get to unless we consider it a sheer gift. Do you know what I do when times get really hard, and they do? Some of you know our story. Some of you know my family's story. I've walked through a lot in my 33 years You know what I do in the worst of those moments? When I got the phone call, your brother's been killed in a motorcycle accident? Worst moment, what do you do with that? What do you do in those moments? You get on your face before God and you go, God, I don't know what you're doing in me. I don't know why this is happening. I can't understand everything. But I do know that if you want to work something in me in this, I want to walk through it well. I'm going to make the decision right now, God, to not allow this to make me bitter. I'm going to allow it to make me better. I'm not going to allow this to kill me. I'm going to allow it to be a part of my story and thrive in it. I'm not going to allow this to be the end of me. It's going to be the beginning of a testimony of your faithfulness, God. I've got to make that decision at the beginning of the test so that in the middle of the test, I forget why I'm actually in it. There's nothing worse than being in a test and forgetting the things in the test. Maybe y'all were better in school than me. You probably were, just to, just to help you out. You probably were. Um, and... You ever get in a test and you're just looking at it going, I, it, what class am I in? I, was this was this anywhere? Have you ever raised your hand in the middle of the test and said, hey, none of this was in the book. I've done that. Hey, I don't think I've got the right test because none of this was what we talked about. Okay, and then normally he would go, were you, were you paying attention, you know, two days ago? And I'm like, "Mate, What? Potentially, that's my answer is dependent on what your response is going to be. <laughs> well, I gave you all the information on the test. Sometimes that is how life is. You're going through, and you're going, God, why? When did we cover this? When did I didn't see this on the agenda? God, why? why how do you even expect me? And God goes, I expect you to get through it the same way I expect everyone to get through it. Rely fully on me, because in your weakness, I am strong. Listen, the goal of learning to suffer long is realizing that in our weakness, he is strong. In our shortcomings, he is big. When we are weak, he makes up for it. And I said it last week. Oftentimes when you feel like you're at your end, rejoice. When you take that moment, when you re- in that moment, you go, God, I can't take any more. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but I felt like that. God, I can't take any more. I want you to imagine in your mind God kneeling down and going, good, because when you're at your end, I am just at my beginning. Let's walk together. We're going to get through this. You got this in you. Come on, long suffer. The enemy's opposing you, but he doesn't win. You got more in you. Keep running. Keep telling your legs to turn over. Keep seeking God. Keep people close to you. Don't allow the enemy to stop you. And when you go through it, people look at you and go, how in the world did you get through it? And the goal is the same at the end of every one of those trials so that you can tell people, I didn't get through it. God himself pulled me through this. (laughs) Mature, well-developed, and not deficient in any way. I'm one of five boys. My youngest brother, Haddon, is a a bodybuilder. He looks a lot like me, to be honest. Um... It hurts me when you laugh like that. I mean, I just, why was that so funny? I don't So he's, it lives, this dude lives in the gym. He's like one of those people that are too into it. You know, like you go out to eat, they bring their broccoli with them. You just sit at the table. They're like, I'm not ordering tonight. I brought my meal and they pull it. Can you heat it up in the kitchen for me though? I'm like, God, dude, why do we even go out to eat with you? This is, he just lives and breathes working out. How many of you know when you do that to, to achieve the kind of body like me and him have, (laughs) to achieve this kind of physique, it takes a lot of pain. Isn't it funny we can understand it with stuff like that? You know going to the gym is going to be painful. You know you're going to be sore the next morning. You know it's going to be a process. You know it's not going to come easy. You know if you want to be jacked and look like the guy on the cover of Men's Health, you probably got a year to two years of work ahead of you. But isn't it funny how hard it is for us to remember that same concept in our spiritual walk? That the the adversity, when we hit it, we go, oh God, I didn't sign up for adversity. And God goes, do you want to grow? Do do you want to be well-developed? Do you want to mature? Do you want to see my faithfulness? Do you want to see me sustain you in the process? Because when you sign up to grow, you sign up for pain. You sign up for, God, I want to be more like you. And God goes, are you sure? Because there's a lot in you that probably doesn't look like me. Yes, God, I want to be more like you. Okay. Well, you and your wife probably going to have a big fight and you have to change a lot of things. God, I want to be more like you. Okay, good. Your boss is probably going to be a real jerk this week and let's see how much of me is in you. God, the, the goal of God allowing us to walk through things that we suffer through is not because God is a mean God. God allows it because he wants the best of who we are. And unless we have that pressure on us, the best of us will never come out. That's why the Bible talks about us being refined like gold. I mean like gold. I mean women like gold. You know what I mean? Just, you ever watch how they make gold? they take this bar and they put it in there and they heat it up and it boils and then all the like the any dirt in it any kind of hair or anything that's left in there comes to the top and they take a thing and they scrape it off and then they boil it more and more comes up and they scrape it off and it's awesome when it's gold it's horrible when it's our life god says we are being refined like gold in the fire which means our life gets hot and things come out and god goes hey let's let's take that and then it gets a little hotter, and then we go, God, why? And then something comes out, and we take that. As long as I lived, I remember my dad, um, anytime someone around him would, like, curse, my dad is, like, the holiest guy in the world, okay? I don't, I've never heard He's just on a different level. And, and guys, we would play sports and hunt and all kinds of stuff, and there would always be somebody that would curse on him. And they'd go, oh, I'm sorry, pastor, I don't know where that came from. Heard it 100,000 times. And he'd go, I know where it came from. And they'd look at him, and they'd go, where? Like... He goes, Your heart, what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. Okay. And as cheesy as that sounds on us, and it's 100% true. And oftentimes, God allows things to put pressure on us. And when something comes out, and we go, I don't know, you ever, you ever blow up on someone and go, I don't even know where that came from? I do. Because what's inside will always come out. And we have to be allowing God to to take what comes out and remove it. But it doesn't happen unless we experience the suffering. It doesn't happen unless we learn how to long suffer. No growth is possible without the pain. In the tearing of things inside of us is the building of what God is after. The goal of our Christian walk, you know what the goal of all of us being Christians is? It's to bring glory to God. It is to bring glory to God. Joey, you can come up as I close. I was having a conversation with a guy this week. We were finishing it outside right before we walked in here. And we were talking about suffering. We are talking about the Holocaust. We are talking about all kinds of different times where people have suffered. And I, I think it's interesting that it's very, when, when we look at what God does, um, it's very easy to negate the product of the suffering. It's very easy to focus on the process of the suffering and easy to negate the product of the suffering. That that in our suffering, yes, it was horrible, but God got glory at the end of it. Yes, it was miserable, but God is going, I am trying to allow a people who love me freely to bring glory to me freely. Okay, because remember, God is a God of free will. There is no love without free will. Okay, so husbands and wives, you know this to be true. The more you try and control each other, what happens? The more you push back, the more you fight. Alex, I can come home and she'll go, I made a lasagna. It's awesome. You know, I wanted to prepare this meal for you. Great. If I call her the next day and go, you better make that lasagna again. There'll be trouble when I get home if that lasagna's not made. You know what she's going to do? Throw that lasagna away. That's what she's going to do. <laughs> because the more control you try and achieve, the more love you Smother. God knows that. And so God goes, here's the problem. In order for me to allow you to choose me freely, I also have to allow people not to choose me freely. In order to allow you to really love me, I have to actually allow people the option to really not love me. But... What his secret is, is that in the process of those of us who really love them, we are pointing to God, all of the people that don't really love him, that have yet to love him, that have yet to experience the love of God. We are the rescue plan. We, the goal is for God to get glory out of our lives. The goal is for us to come out of the fire and people go, wow, you are beautiful. How did, God, if I could just be like you. And you go, awesome, do you want to be like this? Do you want to have this peace, this joy, this love, this kindness, this patience, this gentleness? Here's how you do it. Allow God to work on you so that someone one day is looking at you going, how are you the way you are? It's a a chain, and it doesn't stop unless we stop. And the enemy knows it. And so his goal is to get us to stop. I love in scripture when the Bible says, we are his masterpiece. Have you ever read that? Have you ever heard somebody say that? You're God's masterpiece. You ever hear him say that and think he must have had an off day? (laughs) I don't know what, he ran out of paint. I don't know what happened. You are God's masterpiece. Now, when we think masterpiece, the first thought that comes to my mind is a painting. Is that you guys? It's the first thought that comes to my masterpiece. You think Van Gogh, you think the ceiling, you think all these paintings. As I was praying over this message and writing this, I was writing this in part, and I had this interesting thought. Every time I've ever heard that in my life, I've thought of myself as God's painting. I've thought of myself as God, you know, painting. So, but you know the Bible tells us what kind of masterpiece that we are? Isaiah 64, 8. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the, and you are the, we are all the work of your hand. You know what the difference between a painting and pottery is? Painting doesn't have any mess ups. Whatever whatever goes on there is it's on there. Okay, it's just on there. You paint, it's on there. You want it to start over, you got to start all over. Pottery is not that way. Pottery, you get on that wheel and they start turning it. And you ever see somebody make something all the way up and they go, God, that's not what I wanted, and they break it down and they keep spinning that wheel and that That is what our life is like before God. God is working on us, and we're going, God, I feel like I'm just in the same, I feel like I'm doing the same thing. And we don't realize the whole time, God is shaping us himself, and God is molding us, and God is building things into us, and God is taking things out of us. And as the process goes, we feel like we're just doing this. We feel like, but God goes, if you don't get off the wheel, at the end of it, you will be a masterpiece. At the end of it, you will look different than how you started. You started as just a little chunk of clay. You're going to finish as a vessel that no one could ever believe I made. God is constantly molding us and making us into areas of our life, but we have to have the quality of long-suffering to not get off the wheel. The only time it stops is when we stop. When I was in Bible college, I had a buddy, and we walked through a lot of stuff together, and we had a thing we would say to each other. We'd say, don't get off the table. Don't get off the table. Don't get off the table. What, what does that mean? We had this thing that God was not operating on us. We heard a message, and a guy talked about God operating on us, God operating on parts of our heart, God operating on parts of our lives. And the only way we mess it up is when we get off the table. When we go, it's too painful, God. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. I can't do this anymore. I'm I'm out. And so anytime we wanted to quit, anytime we wanted to give up in an area of our life, anytime we wanted to stop what God was trying to do inside of us, we would look at each other and go, don't get off the table. Don't get off the table. Don't get off. Stay in there. Stay in there. Stay in there. You learn more in your pain than you do in your joy. You learn more in the dark nights of your soul than you learn in the joyous moments of your life. And if we don't quit in those dark nights, if we can learn long suffering, you know what the enemy's worst nightmare is? A group of people who know how to suffer with the end goal in mind. A group of people like Jesus. Because you know what Jesus did? He suffered with the end goal in mind. He suffered with the end goal in mind, you and me. It's worth it. It's worth it. The cross is worth it. Being mocked is worth it. Being persecuted is worth it. Being abandoned by all the people that said they love me is worth it. It's worth it because these people are worth it. Listen, when you learn how to suffer long, you defeat the enemy not by being amazing, but just by not quitting. I want to encourage you today, whatever you're walking through, just don't give up. God's working something in you. God's doing something in you. God's refining you. God's working areas. Be patient enough with God to allow him to do it. Be obedient enough that when he speaks something to you, you're able to go, okay, God, I don't want to cause myself pain. If this is causing me pain, I don't want to cause myself pain, God. I don't, I, there's God pain and there's us pain. I don't want to cause me pain, God. But I'll go through anything to become who you want me to become. I'll share with you all this. My prayer every morning, I pray kind of a a, a similar thing every day. And every day I go, God, all I want to do is be exactly who you created me to be. God, what needs to come out of me today that you didn't create me to be in? God, what do I need to do today that I haven't done that you created me to do? God, all I want is to be what you created me to be. It's in the suffering that you see the faithfulness of God. My, one of my final papers I wrote at, at theology school said this. I put a line in there that I regret if I'm honest with you guys. And I, I said, I long to suffer for my Christianity so that I might know the true extent of its reality. Okay, I long to suffer for what I believe in so that I might actually know the true extent of, of how, how much I believe it. And I think God said, bet. <laughs> I think God was like, let's find out. No one's been stupid enough to pray that in a long time. But it's in the suffering that you see the faithfulness of God. Because you know what you begin to find out? God is so faithful. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he keeps you in this dark night. And then when the next dark night comes, you're not scared of it because you go, I know this seems horrible. And I don't know how we're going to get through this. But I know that if God sustained me in the last dark night of my soul, he'll sustain me in this dark night of my soul. And he'll sustain me in another dark night of my soul. And now I know how to walk through it because God is faithful. It's in our long suffering that we discover the faithfulness of God. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we're so thankful. God, we're so thankful that you don't allow our suffering to be meaningless. That when we walk through troubles and trials and tribulations and frustrations, God, even our pains you designed to grow us, Even the the hurtful things in life, God, you've designed us to be able to grow from them, to become well-matured and developed. God, let us not quit. Let us not get off the table before you're done operating on our hearts. God, when the enemy thinks I can just oppose them long enough that they'll quit, let us kick into another drive. Let us kick into another gear. Let us run harder. Let us pursue you more. Let the the attacks of the enemy be something that we deal fiercely back to him. He doesn't want to oppose us because he knows we're going to push in even harder. We're going to run after you even more. God, we love you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that comforts our spirit, that comforts our souls. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of long suffering, you are with us. We are never alone. You will never leave us or forsake us. God, we're so thankful. Today, God, I pray that if those who are here, those that they may be walking through some of these things, God, that you would show yourself faithful to them. You would show yourself faithful. God, that they would learn they can count on you. They can count on you. God, we love you. We know that you are our strength. You are our strong tower. Your word says the righteous run to it and are saved. And God, in these moments of suffering, we run to you. You fight on our behalf. You defend us. And you also at the same time are capable of working into us and out of us all that we need for our journey. We love you, God. There may be some of you here today, you go, Christian, that that sounds great, but I feel like I'm suffering for no reason. I feel, like, I feel like in my suffering, I'm not getting any closer to anything. And I would like to propose to you today that the first step of growing in our suffering is being close to Jesus. It's in being close to Jesus that we're able to see all he's trying to do in us and through us. So today, if you're here and you've never made that decision to start a relationship with Jesus, you've never said, hey, sign me up. I want to grow through this. I don't want to just go through this. But today, I want to jump in and begin that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you and you say today, Christian, I want to start that relationship with Jesus, would you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray together, and you can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can, I just ask that you mean it, whatever it is. Dear Lord Jesus, today, I realize my need for you. I realize I've been going through things, but not growing through things. I want to be connected to you, Jesus. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe you did that to pay for my sins. A death I should have died so that I didn't have to. And then I believe that you rose from dead on the third day to give me life and freedom. Today, Jesus, I choose you to love you, to serve you, and to follow you all of my days. God, I pray that you would seal in hearts and minds today all that you've done, God, for those that are suffering, those that are walking through it, that you would be mighty, God, that you would do what only you can do in their situations and you would show your faithfulness as you have time and time again. God, be with our people. Watch over them, bless them, and keep them in Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.